You're listening to Locked in the Green Room, and today I'm chatting to Dennis Chang. Thanks for joining me today. I'm chatting with Dennis Chang. He's a guitarist and educator based in Canada. Um, he runs DC Music School, which is a great online resource for learning jazz or uh, just learning music in general. Um, so yeah, we had a little chat today about how he was, how he's doing. He's holed up in Taiwan and uh, he's been getting on with practicing loads of violin. So hope you enjoy listening to this episode. check that we are live uh you know what i'm just not even gonna check i'm gonna just say that we are hi dennis how's it going hello how's good it? yourself i'm all right how's life life is pretty good yeah you're managing yeah, to yeah. uh so you're in taiwan at the moment right i sure am How and come? uh there has never been any core well there's not been any what do you call that uh what's the lockdown yeah there's no lockdown. No, there's never been any. No, and do you know why that? Why? Why is that? What's What's going on in Taiwan? Is it? Is it? Is the situation um, better than everywhere else? Well, this. I mean, that's a, uh, the information. Of course, is always according to the government. Mm -hmm. But uh, there's a high trust in the government here, and the government reacted early on, right from the beginning, as early. What happened was um, someone in the medical community was checking out forums on the internet, Chinese forums. Yeah. And someone, I guess, in Wuhan posted about something happening. Yeah. And the person who detected it in Taiwan told the government right away and they acted on it right away. They, they closed the border. They started implementing strict measures for people coming in from China. Mm. Uh, then they're one of, the first, one of the first places to close the borders. Okay. So they... <laughs> They they basically they they reacted very quickly. They were really criticized for closing the borders too, but oh, I think they did the right thing. Oh yeah. Ah. Were you so like were this? you were you in Taiwan at that point? No, I arrived on February twenty fourth. February twenty fourth, but wait. From Japan, from Tokyo. But they had closed the borders. They had closed the borders to places that were potentially highly affected. Ah, okay, I see. Right. And they closed the border from Japan shortly after, so I, I was lucky. Ah. Where, where had you, so what had you been doing? Uh, practicing violin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's what you've been doing since. Uh, so I mean, you know, I know, so you're saying that there's no lockdown where you are, but I'm imagining that you know you you sort of work quite internationally. You, uh, you're going to be at a loss as to, well, not at a loss, but you're not going to be doing as much as you thought you were going to be doing right now. Oh, yeah. Everything has been canceled for 2020. Yeah. Yeah. Such is life. Yeah. Well, we're all in the same club. Uh, it's, a, yeah. it's a weird club and it's a slightly stressful club sometimes, but sometimes it's quite a good club. I feel like uh, I've been enjoying the time myself quite a lot just with practice. How about you? My day-to-day -day life hasn't really changed, actually. Okay. I've always been practicing violin yeah. and doing what I do. It's just that all my plans have been canceled. Mm -hmm. And so, therefore, I have no reason to actually go back to America right now, Canada. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm. Um, and what is your day-to-day -day life at the moment, then? 
Mm, been practicing violin, but now um, also studying Japanese. And then also these days I've been trying to organize these um, workshops, mini concerts for some of my colleagues who were badly affected but are not so good with technology. So this past Saturday I did this thing with Birelli. It went really well. Yeah, you know, I, I heard about that like too late. I really want, I, I should have, if I'd know, if I'll I'd send you the link. There, I'll send you the link. Please do. Um, yeah. What, what, what are these things then, these, uh, these workshops that you're putting on? Oh my gosh, give me five seconds. I'm going to reset this, this interface again. It's going to take two seconds. Don't worry. Settings, 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 one second. Every time you do that, it changes the sound a little bit. You can hear like the noise floor change. There. Yeah, yeah, but it's better again. Yeah, it's, it's something wrong. I think it's the drivers, the Mac drivers or something. You need yeah. to get a new uh, um, sound card. Oh, no, a new driver. Oh, this is like top of the line. This is like a really good one. What is it? It's an Apogee. Okay, yeah. I mean, you, there's no point in getting a new one. Those are those are great. Yeah. Uh, I think it's the driver with uh, the, the new Mac OS and all that. Ah, okay. Um, I just keep clicking like no when it asks me to <laughs> to uh, to uh, put the new uh, OS in, but I probably should. Um, what did I just ask you before you had to research? Oh yeah, how was uh, those events that, yeah. that I've been organizing? Um, well, that started with Benji Winterstein, who is uh, the nephew of Hono Winterstein was messaging me one day asking me how to give lessons. Uh, he wanted me to help him, and I, I didn't really know what I could do for him, to be honest. And then I thought, well, why don't we do some sort of like uh, private workshop online? Then I took like two, three weeks to research how to do that because I had never done anything like that. So we did that, and I've been in touch with a lot of these players also in like in in my private time, mm -hmm. asking them how they were doing. Some were doing better than others, but obviously everyone's suffering. Yeah. And some of these players like Birelli, um, Angelo Debar, Rocky D, they're not really tech-savvy at all. Mm -hmm. And so I said, well, do you want to do this thing? They said, yeah, definitely. Mm -hmm. so, so we've been doing it on YouTube Live privately. Uh-huh, okay, YouTube Live. Um, and have you... How do you go about? So, if you're working with people who don't, who don't, who quite aren't quite technology savvy, how do you go about making sure that it all goes to plan? Then, what do you use? Do you use Zoom? No. Uh, well, first, what did I do with? Oh, that was the issue. The first thing I did, what I was research. Well, I already took two weeks to research how to do this. So it's a new skill that I just acquired, which is cool. <laughs> but uh, I tested that with uh, Christian van Hamertz. Because he's tech savvy, so we tested it. He's a good test YouTube. subject for stuff. Yeah, yeah. Then I tested it with uh, Christian and Charles Limberger. Like we did a public thing to test it. And then uh, what did I do with? Ah, I we used Facebook Messenger. I think no, no, we did. I told Benji to install Skype because I found Skype to be well for me anyway to be the better one to use. The thing is, Gypsies mainly use WhatsApp. And, I, and according, it seems that WhatsApp doesn't allow you to use video on the computer. Yeah, it doesn't. Not yet. I, they're missing a trick, eh? They gotta. I, yeah. I, so I, that's why it's like, it, 
did it on face uh, on Skype rather. Mm. So I did it on Skype, but, I, but he had internet connection problems. So that, that was an issue that I realized that's tricky. Mm. Yeah. But, uh, Birelli didn't have any issues. I think it's because he plays a lot of online games or something. Right. So <laughs> he has good internet connection. PlayStation 4. Yeah. You play in online games, don't you? No, not really. I used to when I was a kid. Mm. Yeah, that's, I remember speaking to... Uh, Christian and he he said he used to be a massive gamer when he was when he was younger. He has to stop now. <laughs> yeah. um, Not a lot of time. No, you mean it? That stuff. Anytime I've ended up with a small, well, I, I had I was lent somebody. My brother lent me his PlayStation, whatever it was. I can't remember the most recent one. When he went away on holiday, and I had it for like a couple of months, and it just <laughs> ruined it. Just ruined my life. Like in a really good way, but it just meant that you know I just didn't get, I just didn't progress in anything that I was doing. It's just uh, yeah. Um, so these, what's the next? What's the next one? The the next workshop that you're doing? It's with uh, Rocky Rocky Grisset, Rocky Grisset, this Saturday, May second. Mm-hmm. It's the next one. And are these are these? How are they done? How, what's the format for them? Is it people? Is it the people are playing? Is it people uh, talking? Well, in the beginning, what I did was, uh, with Benji, it was a workshop. But I realized it's a little bit complicated because for those who don't know, a lot of most of these gypsy players are 100% self-taught. Mm-hmm. So they don't know what they're doing. They just kind of play by instinct. Yeah. So when it comes to like having to explain things, it's it was a lot of work for me, which I don't mind. But then I the deal was that I would take a decent cut because it's work for me. But I realized, listen, you know, I'm doing this for them anyway. I have better. If I had to make money for myself, I'd spend my time doing something else. I decided to take much less money and just host the thing and give them most of the money, in which case I'm not going to do so much work. Yeah. And so with Birelli, it was, he just performed live for an entire hour. And people can ask questions. There was a sound issue with Birelli, though. That's related to um, FaceTime. But uh, with Rocky, I was able to test things, so it should work out quite nicely this Saturday. So yeah, a Q&A, simple Q&A, and also a concert. Nice. Hey, I've noticed Zoom, like right now we're on Skype, right? But I've noticed Zoom yeah. is, is loads better for, um, for audio, for getting, good, for getting good sound. There's a lot more you can do to make sure that you've got nice sound coming from, from where you are. But ah, know. really? Yeah. I... Uh, yeah I've, de- I've definitely found that you can turn on you can turn you know because we've got all these like right now for example you there's probably some sort of like vo- weird noise suppression on 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 both of our sides on my side not so much but on yours perhaps and that's like skype just does that it's just like that's what we're gonna do here you go noise you know and it gives you that weird warbly sound ah okay i didn't know that but uh i i i like zoom. i think I, i'm getting into zoom i like it i'm 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 feeling it now. I wasn't for a while. But, uh, you got to pay for that, right? Uh, or you have like one hour if you don't If, if you, don't you, you can do it so you're streaming it. I think you can stream it for free. I don't think you got to pay to stream it. Maybe. Yeah, you can stream it if someone hosts it. That's what I was told. Someone hosts the thing, uh, you join it, and then it's free. Yeah. And my interface is doing the thing. I'm going to reconnect one more time. <laughs> don't worry. Sorted. 
Have we got sound? Hello, hello. Hello. There we go. Nice. Okay. There we go. Great. Every five minutes. Yeah. Hey, um, why don't we, let's take a step back from our current situation and talk a little bit yes. about how you, um, how you first got into playing. Sure. Because I'd love to know. Play what? <laughs> how, you, how you first got into playing football? Football. No, how you first got into playing uh, the guitar? Guitar. Uh, when I was in school, like a teenager, everyone was playing in the in like the mid nineties. Everyone was playing guitar and bass among my friends, so it was kind of just the thing to do. Yeah. That's how it started. And so I went with a schoolmate of mine. We went to buy a guitar, and it's just where it started. Okay, and then and then finding finding uh, finding jazz and, and uh, gypsy jazz. How, how did that happen? So finding jazz, though, I got very serious about music around, I think, yeah, it was around the age of 15. Mm -hmm. uh, I saw on TV a guitar player who was actually really, really, really good. Like the, He was the first really, really good guitar player I ever saw in my life. His name is Eric Johnson. He's like a rock fusion, well, yeah, kind of rock jazz player. He was on TV. I was like, holy shit, you can do that on the guitar. And I realized, okay, well, I, I want to be able to achieve that. And uh, those days, there was no YouTube or anything. So I, I went to the newspaper and saw, looked up the ads for guitar lessons and went to like a few different teachers. And that's they got me started on, on the more serious stuff of music. It was very academic, though. Very, very, very academic. So I was learning jazz, but I wasn't playing jazz. It's, I was playing scales and arpeggios. Okay. <laughs> And then Django, that was right after high school. I discovered Django through uh, through a movie. Uh, it was with Johnny Depp. I think it's called Chocolate, and he's playing minor swing. Yeah, I know it. And I was like, "Whoa, what's that?" So, yeah. So I asked uh, a friend of mine, a mentor at that time, what that was. Is oh, that's Django Reinhardt. And I knew of Django Reinhardt actually because he was his name was mentioned a lot in guitar magazines in those days. But again, in those days, there was no YouTube. So I remember going to like a music store and I put on some random Django CD where you could listen at the listening booth. And I picked the wrong track. It was a track where he wasn't really playing much and he was just accompanying some orchestra or something. I don't know which song. And it was it was pretty boring. <laughs> it's like, oh, that's Django. Oh, screw that. Yeah. But uh, yeah, Minor Swing. So my friend told me to check out Minor Swing. And uh, he told me that to check out a few other artists uh, like uh, Rafael Faiz, Stokel, or Rosenberg. Those are the two names he gave me. And again, in those days, no one, very few people were doing uh, commercial gypsy jazz recordings. There was only, not even Birelli yet, because he wasn't doing the gypsy project yet. So there was uh, Stokel, or Rosenberg, and Rafael Faiz. Those are the two CDs I could find. Then Angelo Dobar and uh, Jimmy Rosenberg. And Jimmy Rosenberg was the one who had the most... Uh, uh, impact on me because in the early 2000s he was making like CDs every year. Mm -hmm. He was quite prolific. So yeah, that was it. Uh, and why? How come? So what was it about Jimmy Rosenberg that uh, that, um, that that made that impact on you? It's just because uh, again in in those days the the only there were not the Rosenberg trio hadn't made many Gypsy uh, Jazz recordings. Yeah. That were easily to get, easy to get, and because in the early two thousands they were like with a major label making pop music, hmm. so it wasn't really jazz. So the only gypsy jazz CD you could get 
in those days, like at a music store, was the live at the North Sea Jazz Festival. And that like that really changed my life. But that was the only one you could easily get. The others you kind of had to order by, I forgot how it was you had to order them, but somewhere. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so, but Jimmy's stuff, you could actually get them in stores. I guess John Larson had good uh, distribution in Canada or something. Right, okay. And what did you, did you, uh, did you spend a lot of time learning the, learning solos from that? Is that how you, is that how you progressed? So I realized enough, another thing that really helped that changed a lot, changed me is uh, meeting Stefan Rembel. And he was kind of the first one to encourage me. I met him pretty early on after I discovered the style. And I remember he coming, coming over to my house one time and all I could do was just play rhythm to minor swing. And we were jamming on minor swing. Then he forced me to take a solo. It's like, no, I don't want to take a solo. I just, I'm just starting out. And he kind of forced me. Then I did a solo, and I realized how much it sucked because I didn't know what to play. I mean, I knew, theoretically, I knew what to play, but it didn't sound good. It didn't sound like anything like that I'd heard in recordings. So that's when I really started realizing that I should probably lift some ideas from the recordings I liked. Mm-hmm. I tried to do that with Django. And with moderate success because his ideas were so, his phrasing is so advanced, so, how do you say, organic, that it's hard to make sense of it in my beginner mind, you know? I don't yeah. know if you understand. But with, I think I do. And I'm not saying that's the case with Stokler or Jimmy because I, I really respect them, but their phrasing was so much easier to digest. Mm. I do know what you mean. I think Django has a very angular yeah, he's just a very angular yeah. player, isn't he? I'm going to reset this crap again. Piece of shit. Oh, can I say shit? Oh, too late. I don't think we've got many children watching. Okay. Test, 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 test. There we go. Yeah, well, basically, Django's phrasing. He's always connecting the chords. Yeah. Like, perfectly. And the phrasing is always starting on beat one. Yeah. Whereas with sometimes with Jimmy Rosenberg or the Rosenbergs, they played phrases that start on beat one and that would stop before change the chord. So that, oh, here's a C major lick. Yeah. Whereas Django's phrases work, are working more over chord progressions. Yeah. So it's hard to separate the ideas. Yeah, I know what you mean. I guess like uh, those guys, they spell it out a little bit, a bit in a different way, a bit more. Um, yeah hard to describe but yeah i know i know what you mean i mean django does have i don't mean that in the bad way but it's like copy and paste copy and paste but for a beginner it was very easy to absorb not technique wise because they played it fast but understanding what was going was going on was very easy yeah that's interesting hey do you think that might be why um one of the reasons that the uh the style is so so you know so popular with with guitarists i don't know maybe that's that definitely could be a reason. They, I think, uh, Stokolo and Jimmy were probably two of the most influential players in those days. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So you, that very reason, maybe. When you when you were first getting into playing this stuff, you uh, yeah. you you you. So you'd done all the theory stuff. You didn't get much out of that, but then you got into you basically started taking taking solos down. When you take a solo down, I mean, I'm, I'm, I guess I'm not asking you right now about now, but back then would you be looking into what you were playing would you be thinking about the theory or would you just be taking it down and 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 forgetting about it or, or, or would you be just recounting it 
How, how would, how... Um, let me just try to remember. It's something I try to remember a little bit, but it's true that I, didn't, I, didn't, I never kept a diary. <laughs> but what I do remember is that I had trouble hearing chord progressions. Yeah. And if I wanted to learn a song, someone had to show it to me, mm-hmm. or I had to go ask someone to figure it out for me. I do remember that. Yeah. So one thing that I did do in those days, so in Montreal, in those days, no one was playing gypsy jazz. It was just this one guy, and he's not a professional, he's just a hobbyist, but he had this weekly thing, and I'd go see him every single time he played, every single week, mm-hmm. every single Sunday, and I'd make notes, all right, he's playing this song, all of me, he's playing minor song, he's playing dark, that's where I started like getting a sense of what the repertoire was, mm-hmm. and I'd watch his fingers, and he showed me a few like basic shapes. That's how I learned my first few songs, and that was actually very beneficial for me because then I'd play those songs, I'd play the rhythm along to recordings mm. and my ears got used to hearing the chords. So that was one thing I remember. And then I also remember after that experience with Stefan Rumble being so ashamed of my playing, like everything I played was correct, but it just didn't sound like the style at all. I, I could hear that. So I uh, grabbed the, the one of the first ones I did where I actually tried to understand what was going on was the minor blues solo, the first time he did minor blues. Because there's this pattern that repeats itself. I'm not going to play it exactly jangled because I don't remember what it is. But it's this pattern. Mm. One of, it's the quintessential gypsy jazz shape. But Django never played it the same way. He's always manipulating it. So what I did, I took the, the general shape and I turned it into my own phrase. Mm. And that's the only thing I play over minor chords, for instance. Yeah. And as I kept listening to Django, I realized, hey, He's doing also over a dominant chord. Wow, it's a lick that works on minor and dominant. Mm. Yeah, and, and there are some things I didn't understand in the beginning either. Like I remember one of the first solos I did was uh, this Tchaikovsky thing. How's it go? This. That's over a D sound. I was like, what the fuck is that? Oh, can I say? Ah, oh, man, I could. Sorry. I, I wouldn't work. Okay, well, uh, yeah. I had no idea what that was, but I thought, hey, it sounds cool. It works over a D7. So over A7 would be... Mm. Just transpose it, which is easy to do on the guitar. Yeah. Yeah, it's something that is very... Uh, it's very... It's a very guitar thing, I yeah. notice. And I play yeah. with a lot of guitarists. And uh, so, there's... Yeah. That, that, whole, that whole thing of uh, the, the same thing being played on, uh, you know, different chords, like something that works on a minor chord works on a on a dominant on a dominant chord like it's, some, it's obviously a co- concept that i'm aware of with lots of stuff but there's just something about gypsy jazz and and the and the and guess the django legacy uh, django's musical legacy that that that, that that's a very uh, it's very pro uh, prevalent you see it you hear it a lot um it's it's a visual thing on the guitar and um django obviously is a genius in his phrasing he plays what he hears but he undeniably organizes his thoughts into distinct guitar shapes. And I, as I kept figuring stuff out, I, kept re- I started to discover all the shapes that he used. Yeah. And all the fingerings I got wrong, now I, I know what the correct fingerings are. Mm. Yeah. Uh, hey, so you, when, you were, when you were playing, when you were first doing all this stuff, or you know, as you were progressing, did you have uh, any figures in your life that were uh, like helping you progress or were you know uh, keeping you motivated did you have like mentor uh any any figures like one that? second yes i'm going to answer that question after i reset Wait, you're this piece reset of your shit. thing again it's amazing. 
Don't worry about it. I'm shocked that it doesn't just go and make some massive, terrible sound. I'm back. I'm back. All right. So there was one thing. I was very lucky to grow up speaking French. Mm. I'm from a French part of Canada. And then after in high school, we were given the option of learning Spanish or German. And for some reason, I chose German. Well, actually, my father spoke a bit of German. But these are all the languages associated with uh, the Manush people. Yeah. And so through language, I was able to befriend many people in that community. So they were my mentors. Um, a, a example being who? The first guy I befriended, who now, who now unfortunately no longer plays his name, is Ritari Gaganeri. You probably see his cousin all the time today yeah. at Samoa. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was first uh, the first guy, and I especially became close to his cousin, the rhythm player Hervé. Mm-hmm. I remember going over to his hometown, staying at his house. He introduced me to his family, and then those days he had this collection of videos, VHS tapes of all the players, like really rare stuff. So I remember he went to work, and he worked in a cheese factory, and during the day I just watched VHS after VHS and just grabbed stuff. So that was my first thing that really helped a lot. Mm. Hey, do you think that that's quite important when you're for a developing musician to have to have figures like that in their in your in their life? I think it does make a huge difference now, i wouldn't say that it's important but I'm, i think this is community music so obviously i think it's a good idea to to be part of the community as much as you can in my case though it really it really did make a huge difference yeah yeah so how did you get into because you're you know as well as a musician you you are a you do a lot of teaching and you do a lot of production of teaching materials online teaching materials how did you get into doing that so that started and again it has to do i think a lot of it is luck being at the right place at the right time because in the early 2000s i mean gypsy jazz wasn't popular yet if it even is now (laughs) much less so and especially in america there's no resources whatsoever and since I was able to foster these uh, relationships with players in Europe, like the gypsy community, I had discovered, you know, for myself, some information that people wanted to have. And some people, like the Django and June organizer, invited me to do some workshops before even Django and June existed. I did some workshops in the USA. And then I got approached to do a DVD for a Canadian company. And... Uh, I did this DVD on rhythm guitar, and I didn't think it would sell well, to be honest. I thought it was just going to be for people in America who didn't have this information, because it was all new. No one, had, no one had done anything like this before. And within the first year, they sold the entire stock, like an entire 1,000. I, I was surprised that people in France were buying it, too. <laughs> it made no sense to me, but I was like, okay. So that's how it started. Um, yeah, it started that way. So it's it's luck. It started so it started with you producing material yourself, as in you doing teaching material. No, yourself. no, no, no. It was uh, the com- the Canadian company. Sorry, when I say it's... producing, I mean uh, your own material, uh, teaching material from you. You were teaching. It was your video. Yes, yes, yes. Uh-huh. So that was I think two thousand six, two thousand six. And how did that progress into what you do now? 
what I do now. And also, I was probably one of the first people to teach Gypsy Jazz on YouTube, so that helped a lot too. Okay. Yeah, so for a long time, when you type Gypsy Jazz on YouTube, it was only me. Mm-hmm. That's, that's luck as well. To <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I do now, then I realized, okay, because I was new to that, I had no idea how the, this side of music business worked at all. And I signed a contract that really was not in my favor. I made some money, but I could have made some really, really serious money if I had known how the business really worked. Yeah. And I, I don't blame the company either because they were new to this as well. And I was very young and naive. I just said, yeah, whatever, cool. Yeah. Yeah. And then I realized, well, not someone encouraged me to do it on my own, which I was afraid of doing because like I, we said earlier before, we started this thing. There were a lot of skills I did not have that I have now. And it was very scary to learn. I didn't know how to record. didn't know anything about recording technology whatsoever. Video technology, video editing, and all that stuff. So a friend of mine just said, just learn. I'm sure you can learn. I said, okay, I'll try. And yeah, I, it was very hard, but I managed to figure all this out on my own. Yeah. So that's where DC Music School started. I always find it's funny, you know, there's a lot of people who are, who would say, you know, oh, God, I can't do that stuff. I don't know about, about uh, I don't know how to use technology. I always just feel like, I don't know either. I just Google it. And I just, you know, it's just uh, how far you are. It was exactly happy. like that for me as well. Just it was exactly the same. I was very, very, very scared. In fact, it was, I think it was at least one year of hesitation. Right. Okay. Hmm. And now you produce so, stuff for, you know, so many artists you produce video lessons for most yeah. of people in the you know most of the top players in the in the gypsy jazz world and then you've also branched out to other stuff you you've you know other guitarists other and yeah it's mainly yeah i guess you've branched out to different types of guitarists right yes i have the the one thing that people don't understand is that gypsy jazz you know on the internet gypsy jazz seems like it's a huge thing yeah but it's not no it's it's not. It's, <laughs> it's minuscule yeah yeah, it's so it's. I thought I realized early on it was in my benefit to learn to branch out because you can only like milk a cow so much. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I I agree with you. Yeah, um, and I think the internet makes everything feel like it's bigger than it is, right? That's it is. The internet is a very strange thing for that. It's, it's weird. I feel, and I think that that I think that's a point that's probably becoming more prevalent now that everyone's stuck in and the internet's the only way that they can actually get any of their information now they can't even you know that, that's yeah that's one second i'm gonna do that thing again hey don't worry maybe i'll just go on a on a monologue while you're saying that go ahead i can't do that now now i've said it i can't do it no but i do think that the um we're all very we're all very we all have to be quite sensitive to the to how we how we take that information in at the moment as as musicians and as people creatives or whatever because there is you know the internet can can sort of can can be your downfall it can stress people out and you know i know there's a lot of people at home a lot of musicians at home stressed out thinking oh god i'm not doing what i should be doing on lockdown and i've not got any gigs and this is all rubbish and it's just like everyone's most people most people aren't doing what they want to be doing on lockdown most people aren't i i missed half of your monologue but it seems that a lot of people are trying to get on the internet thing which i think is good that's one of the plus sides i always tell people who are freelance musicians to try to learn these skills i was very afraid it took me a year or two to before i said i would do it 
And so I highly recommend just just do it, man. I know it's scary, but bear with me. If I could figure out, I'm sure most people could as well. Yeah. I always say like, you know, if you can play like the violin or the, you play the guitar, you can work it out. You know? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Highly recommended. It's a good idea. Mm. Yeah. Um, but no, I think there's actually just, well, I, I guess my point was more that the internet is stressing, is, is probably oh. stressing musicians out at the moment. I think that I social media is uh, is taken over, and I think that I don't think that's a good thing. <laughs> do you how, do you, do you use social media much? For just promote my stuff, really. Yeah. And make memes. Yeah. Oh yeah. We have a <laughs> we have a mutual uh, we have a mutual business there. <laughs> it's it's not. I got this message one time, <laughs> private message. How how do you make money make making memes? Can you tell me? <laughs> <laughs> Did someone was that like? Did they actually want an answer, or was that a? Because in, in I, I, somewhere in one of my bios it says I'm a professional meme maker. <laughs> <laughs> and someone did ask me that question. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I uh, I also make memes. I, make... <laughs> I think you've been in some of my memes, actually. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what do you, uh, what, what would you, what sort of advice would you give to musicians who are sitting at home right now and they've got nothing going on, they've got no gigs, but they, but lots of time. And I know that's quite Professional musicians or hobby musicians? Why don't we try, why don't we start? Why don't we actually start with hobby musicians, actually? Hobby musicians. Uh, I mean, my biggest thing is to just have fun. And if you can have fun playing music, then do that. People like, cause a lot of hobby musicians ask me how I only have one hour to practice to so half an hour to practice every day. My first question is, well, you know, are you having fun first of all? Cause for me, I connect, you know, music to happiness and joy and it should never ever feel like something. It should never feel like work cause I've been there and it's very depressing and it's, only like maybe 10 years ago that I connected with the happiness of music that I connect that I had when I was a child. Like the 20s were not so good for me. I was thinking about the pressures of being a, a musician. I kind of lost the joy, the spark, which I have now again. So that's, I think it's a big thing. How did, how did you, how did, what was it that changed? What was it that changed? I don't know. It was just gradually mentally deprogramming the way I thought the pressure because also in music school you know that when I was in music school a lot of teachers didn't appreciate this Django thing it was like looked down upon yeah and it made me feel like more inferior than I think I, I was I am yeah the repertoire was different the vocabulary is different I was working on songs that they weren't working and quite honestly the, the songs that I was working on truth be told is harmonically simple yeah. <laughs> compared to what they did yeah so that made me feel like shit yeah yeah it's it's funny that because i also did a i went to a music school as well uh did did a jazz course and it is did anything feel the same way or i think leaving you know i was i was really lucky when i i was really lucky when i left the day that i i got my my exam results from music school, I was in Samaro for the first time. Ah. And that was when I went, ah, okay. 
this is, and in the same way that you said, this is full on joy, this place. Like everyone's just out till the late, you know, till the early hours. Most people not have, you know, not, not even like, you know, on a drug, like drink, drink or drugs or anything, you know, maybe, you know, people are drinking a bit, but no one's getting smashed. <laughs> and, yeah. and it's, and it, everyone's so happy and everyone's full on and it's keep doing that monologue. I'm going to do my thing. <laughs> so it was, it was going to somewhere basically that made that sort of well, a bit of a turning point for me in that regard. Um, you know, seeing it as joy and not care, you know, and actually going, oh man, you know, these tunes are simple, but they're hard, you know, there's a reason they're just different. I don't, you know, I don't know if there's a, I don't know if harmonically, a tune being harmonically difficult makes it that much harder to make sound, make it sound good. But that's, so that, that's another thing. So then I realized I finished music school and then I work in the real world. And sometimes I'd hire people who went to music school, who thrived in music school, but they had trouble playing the stuff that I was playing. They couldn't make it sound right. Mm. And that's when I realized, right. So the fact that the music is less or, you know, harmonically complex or not doesn't mean anything. Yeah. It's how much you enjoy the music and how much you know about that style of music. Yeah. yeah so well, that really opened my eyes. Yeah, it's the same, you know, like if you listen to folk music, like that music's not very a lot of the time it's not very complex, but if you were to get me to play Irish folk music, I would, I would bomb. I'd completely bomb yeah. that gig. It would go Likewise. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that really made me feel good to just discover that side of music. Mm. Yeah, and that I think helped a lot. music college can very easily make you think, well, the harder it is or the more complex it is, the better the music. Yeah, yeah. there we go. Yeah, and that's, you know, and you don't feel that anymore. That's good. Um, so what, what were you planning to be doing if, uh, if we were, what were you going to be doing if it wasn't for this situation? I was supposed to be back in Canada mid-May mm -hmm. where I had lined up a lot of recording sessions for my DC music school. Oh. I had a three-week tour with Chavalo Schmidt. All of that is canceled. Wow. I was going to play the Django Festival with Jimmy Rosenberg. That's canceled. Mm -hmm. And more recording projects and homestay students all that is cancelled so <laughs> yeah, everything's gone that's interesting you know you, you had these homestay students how long have you been doing that for since 2015 2015 and what made you what made you decide to start having people come around to your house and... a lot of things in my life have happened through luck and it's often instigated by other people <laughs> so in 2015 I bought uh, I bought uh, my own place that had two floors and it had um, in this empty room that I furnished with a bed for no reason. Uh, there was a, this spare bed, and I posted the picture on Facebook. And I got this message from this guy asking me, hey, can I come over for a weekend and uh, pay you to take lessons, live with you and take some lessons with you? I thought, well, uh, okay, why not? So he did. He came for a weekend. It was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun. I was a bit wary, but I had a lot of fun. I posted a picture of us together on Facebook, and this email just came, hmm. and it's been booked nonstop. I'm surprised, but yeah, it's been booked nonstop since it started. So that's how it started. It was always always someone else. Hmm. So are you? I am. So you're saying that a lot of that's had to be cancelled. I guess that. You know, yeah, it's all cancelled. But at some point, 
I imagine that'll probably be one of the first things that could start up again, probably before gigs, do you think, for you? I really don't know. I have no idea. No one can tell. I don't know. It's just like at some point we're going to be allowed to see people, and I, but I don't know if there's going to be a, if that's going to, I think that's going to come before every, all the venues open again. So Maybe. Know. Who knows? Yeah. Aye. Well, um, oh, we've done quite a long one. Uh, I think we'll wrap it up. It's been nice to chat to you, Dennis. Sure. What are you What mm -hmm. are you planning Likewise. for the rest for the for the next couple of days? What are you doing? Uh, practicing violin. Well, I, I need to make because I'm helping these artists out, so I have to make all these YouTube promo videos to kind of like sell tickets. You know, it's kind of a, the nasty side of business, but I, I realize and. Then it, this music business thing is very complicated it's actually the other day i got this uh voice message from cha he was complaining to me a little bit i don't know if i can say this or if he's gonna listen to this but he was asking me you know like uh for a while i was giving skype lessons during this pandemic but then some pe people stopped taking lessons with me how do i get more students do i am i supposed to post every week on facebook that i give lessons or something yeah <laughs> Yeah. yeah, you have to be really relentless, unfortunately. Yeah. Man, any, like, I think I need to get, I'm, I mean, yeah. I'm just going to get a lesson with Cha. I need to do that. Actually, that's, that you've, that, that's yeah, spurred me do to so. do that. Because uh, I haven't seen him. I haven't seen him for a lesson. Oh, I should tell, let him know that I'm the one who instigated this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great, you'll, great. Yeah. You'll get some, you'll get some points. Um, <laughs> and anybody who's listening who, who likes, uh, who likes music at all should get lessons with Cha. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. He's uh, he was also someone who influenced a lot of the way I think about music. Mm. Yeah. Mm. Okay, man. Uh, nice to chat. Hopefully, uh, keep yeah. practicing the violin and maybe. Yeah. Or. <laughs> For anyone who's never used Skype before. That's the Skype ring, Tom. Um, yeah. Nice one, man. I yeah, will cheers. hopefully see you in Samwai in about two years' time. Exactly. Nice. All right. Bye-bye. Bye, man. Cheers. Thanks very much for listening. That was me chatting to Dennis Chang about how he's doing. He's not actually on lockdown. I should have checked that out, but he's in Taiwan. They're, uh, they're still still open but obviously in the same boat as all of us musicians not much going on but thanks so much for listening hopefully uh, see you again soon you can subscribe here or you can subscribe to us via the links below which uh, will take you to uh, the all the places that we are on all the podcast apps etc etc so you can subscribe to us on them as well thanks very much for listening hope to see you again goodbye